Hello, this is Jenny Nichols, and this is Local Share Green Action, a podcast where people share their stories about meaningful, planet-friendly work in their local communities. They share their paths of green action and the ways they have applied their own talents, interests, and all types of green projects, jobs, businesses, volunteering, and careers. Today in our podcast, I'm speaking with Kim Conti, the founding member of Non-Toxic Neighborhoods, an organization that helps neighborhoods transition to organic and regenerative methods of care in the public and private areas of the city. They do this in a hands-on and collaborative way by supporting city staff, landscape contractors, and school administrators with solution-based tools and training to support the end of using synthetic pesticides. Welcome, Kim. Thank you. Very happy to be here. I'm so excited to speak with you and find out more about your path of green action that led you to founding a nonprofit that is helping communities transition away from toxic sprays to healthier, safer choices for community shared spaces. What plant the seed for you to want to take some kind of uh, action initially? Baseball. <laughs> it was it was moving from Bermuda where, you know, the country of Bermuda had banned all glyphosate-based products. And uh, my dad actually got to play for the New York Yankees. So our two boys have been playing baseball since, or what they thought was baseball since they could basically walk. And when we moved to California from Bermuda, we just assumed that California was more progressive and, um, definitely more progressive than Bermuda. So when we found out that California was still utilizing glyphosate-based products and other synthetic toxins, you know, at school districts and in city parks, we were really shocked. And, and that's really kind of what brought me to this space. Um, my background's in traditional advertising. I never thought I'd become a, a soil nerd and <laughs> certified in organic land management. That wasn't the plan, but uh, as a parent, I just felt like I failed our our boys because I, I just had no idea. You know, we're trying to feed them organic food, keep them healthy, enjoy them, and to learn that the entire time they played baseball, every time they've gone to practice, anytime, you know, Michael's our oldest and Trevor's our youngest, and you know, Trevor's out there with his matchbox cars, you know, coming in contact with the brick dust. So fast forward to coming to California to find it out that it's common practice to utilize both glyphosate-based products, Roundup, and 2,4-D, which is a selective herbicide, and that is 50% of what makes up Agent Orange. So, you know, that was my kind of aha moment, and I wanted to make sure that other parents were made aware of this so then they can make informed decisions and then begin to work on this, you know, where they live. So what are some of the things that people often don't realize about using synthetic herbicides and pesticides? Well, it's, they've all basically been marketed to us as a tool and as a solution for pest pressure, for weed control. And what we've learned you know, through this process is that even if you follow the label that, you know, there's no safe level of pesticide exposure to children, you know, and pesticides don't magically become safe once they dry. And once the applicator leaves the site after application, you know, the, the impacts are, are real, even though you can't 
see where the applications had been made. You know, we have lots of um, examples of contractors going to playgrounds and spraying playgrounds and they don't have any signage. So then parents and pet parents come in direct contact with it and they, they aren't even made aware that that's happened. You know, they use glyphosate, which is a non-selective, so that means it kills everything. They actually use that a lot as a pre-emergent on most sidewalks. So we're, you know, if you're like us with our, our dog, she's loud everywhere, you know, <laughs> on the sofas, on our beds. So it, it's something where what they come in contact with outside, they're bringing it into the house. And for example, 2,4-D again, which is 50% of what makes up Agent Orange, I was shocked that that's even allowed. Um, it won't break down. It can stay active for up to 12 months in your carpet fi fibers if sunlight doesn't break it down. So these are poisons that we need to get out of all of our city parks, athletic fields and schools, especially because specifically with herbicides, they're being utilized for purely cosmetic reasons. And there's never an excuse to use these controls that have been linked to very serious negative health impacts for purely cosmetic reasons. So, um, so what has this training taught you about working effectively with others on this type of project? Well, I think this is something that is a, a proven initiative where you could spend time towards this and have a very beautiful, positive outcome, you know? So we went through this process and it was, you know, a lot of trial and error. So when Jane Goodall, when we found out Jane Goodall put a quote out in support of us, we first didn't believe it. And then when we realized it was the real deal, we were contacted by people from Malta, New Zealand, Australia. So through that trial and error, we wanted to make sure that everyone knew how to begin the dialogue, regardless of if it's with your neighbor who loves Roundup, or if it's your principal, or if it's you know your um, municipality. A lot of elected officials, and again, through this process, I'd never had to reach out to an elected official before, because I really didn't have anything that made me you know want to allocate time to this so we put together an organic toolkit to make it as simple as possible for anyone to begin the dialogue in the work we have a team that supports you through the entire process and then working with city staff and school district staff has been great because in most cases you know these applicators don't want to be mixing these toxins either you know but they are also tasked to maintain these school sites and parks to a certain aesthetic. So we make sure to provide them all of the solutions and we've tried them all. Again, back to the trial and error. I mean, we, we found this one herbicide, it's called Avenger. It's organic and it is probably the most cost prohibitive and ineffective pesticide out there. So we joke that we think the chemical industry agency industry came up with that. So if you utilize that, you think, okay, you know, this is ineffective, doesn't work. It's completely out of our budget. So um, we've made it a point to constantly be testing every way to control all pest pressure organically. And then anytime there's a new product or tech, 
we get that information to the cities that we work with. And now we've worked with over 200 cities, school districts, um, counties, and just December 24th of last year, Cuomo signed the first statewide ban for New York, which was great. So it's, it's definitely moving in the right direction. And it's also just the solution. I think the, our health has been such a focus lately with this pandemic that we've all been, you know, living in and COVID-19 has really kind of brought to sharp focus how important our green space is and how important our parks are. And our parks basically carried us through this pandemic. And the connection between how important they are and what's being utilized in these parks to maintain them um, really has kind of proven that we can't afford to have endocrine disruptors, carcinogenic controls, synthetic inputs when you don't need them. You know, we've been able to prove and work with our cities that, you know, proof of concept. And I think that has really kind of expanded this for us nationally as Stonyfield Organic Yogurt out in New Hampshire heard what we were doing in California. We had a whiteboarding session. We had no idea what it looked like. They wanted to help. We didn't know how they were gonna help us. So um, I just pointed out that I want every baseball player to have access to a baseball field where they're safe. You know, I want them to all be able to slide in a home without us worrying, you know, what are they being exposed to? Cause they're gonna slide home anyway cause they think it looks cool. <laughs> so they, if you look at how kids and pets interact with their environment, it's, you know, it's very, they're always in contact with it, right? Especially if you have little cheese balls like my boys, you know, they're always gonna be sliding into home and getting in the dirt and doing everything that, you know, we normally want them to do as long as these sites are, you know, free of these toxins. Yeah, absolutely. So what has helped your program to find the best solutions for different areas of the country that maybe have unique ecosystems and weather, et cetera? So we have learned that based on, you know, soil conditions, like you said, weather, that we've been able to do transitions from California where it's clay, dry, almost all of the water is reclaimed, so high salt content to the flip side of that, um, city of North Miami is a good example where we transitioned Ben Franklin Park uh, for the city of North Miami. And there you have literally the opposite conditions. So while this all started, you know, working towards getting toxins out of parks and, and school sites, it all goes back to soil health. So you know, again, when we started, we just wanted our parks free of these pesticides. But at the end of the day, we learned that even going organic by neglect, the soil health begins to improve and will naturally choke out a majority of the weed pressure. Again, as long as the contractors are sterilizing the units because the weed, I mean, we've found how weeds are so persistent from birds flying over and making their deposits, <laughs> all of our contractors equipment, you know, so it, but again, I think it's important to redefine how we look at weeds. You know, clover used to be part of the seed mix until the chemical industry discovered a way to kill clover. Clover is also a nitrogen fixer and it's food for pollinators. So, I mean, it's just, 
it comes down to after World War II, the chemical industry had all of these ways to control and certain things that were profitable and it's, and it's a business model. So our focus is to work with the same companies to see the demand for softer chemistry and, and safer solutions with how to kind of manage our green space and open space. Nice, nice. Um, so I was reading, um, you have a pretty amazing line of, of advisors. Do they get involved in any of your trainings so they have been critical to our success. Um, they lent us such credibility from day one. They helped really educate us on how to only use peer-reviewed vetted science that cannot be disputed by the chemical lobbyists. You know, So they have made videos for us. We've done a ton of podcasts and webinars during this COVID time. They testify for us. Uh, when policies are up for a vote from Philadelphia to New York City and California, uh, they've just been so, um, they I mean, I always thank them and they never take credit for anything. Anytime we have a, a new city come online or a policy win or just any positive news in the space, they refuse to take any credit, but really so much of this work is about them, you know, because a lot of our city staff and everyone that is is educated on these controls, you know, they're the ones who write the research. They're the ones that know that an EPA registration number does not equate to something that's safe. You know, it doesn't, if you're reading the product label, that doesn't equate to the applicator being um, protected from this, this control. You know, when we learned from our advisors that the EPA doesn't even test the active ingredient. The manufacturer tests the active ingredient. Okay, so for with Roundup, for example, the favorite um, pesticide to not love, uh, glyphosate is tested, the active by Monsanto, now Bear Crop Sciences, but the inert ingredients aren't. So we have no idea how the active ingredient then works with the inert ingredients and the inert ingredients are the surfactants, the acidifiers, the secret sauce. So we don't know how they have a synergistic impact and how it, so they allow products to market without them ever being tested for safety. You know, there's one product right now that we're dealing with that uh, Avocado Orchard and Irvine's using and it's called Reaper. And it's a very highly restricted ag pesticide, insecticide specifically, and 98% of the product is inert. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just these applicators themselves should be very concerned because these pesticides, um, and we always refer to pesticides because our ultimate goal is, again, to holistically shift how we're controlling pest pressure and landscape. You know, it's it started with weeds, um, just because that's, we were made aware of Roundup and the bans that were happening, but it's the insecticides, it's the rodenticides, the adulticides, larvicides, fungicides, but they all have this accumulative impact. And just like with glyphosate, I mean, right now, most of our conversations when we're working with land managers, you know, again, it's always been marketed to them as a tool. But even if you remove the negative health impacts associated with glyphosate aside, 
it's failing as a tool because it's creating herbicide resistance. It's creating super weeds and it can have up to a 22 year half-life in our soil. And it's showing up in our kids. I think that's one important point, Jenny, is that two years ago, this little girl, Lily, four-year-old, her parents had trouble conceiving. So Lily was like this miracle baby. So they have her on a very strict organic diet and they admit that they're, you know, helicopter parents, but they, they love Lily, right? So they think they're doing the best thing for her. Um, she would go to her city park and, you know, they let her play in the grass, collect sticks, be a child. And at her four-year-old checkup, her pediatrician ordered lab work because she started showing developmental delays. And they went to Great Plains Labs, which unfortunately is not covered by insurance. And they found out that this little four-year-old girl had, she was at the 95th percentile of glyphosate in her system. And she was literally off the charts with 2,4-D in her system. And that's just from playing in the city park. And we pulled the pesticide use report from that city park and there, you know, glyphosate and 2,4-D. And one of our advisors, Bruce Bloomberg, came with us to meet with the city responsible for this. And we had a city staffer share, well, you know, we have to use these pesticides to protect the kids' ankles. (laughs) It got a little heated at that point. Bruce Bloomberg, UCI professor, he's amazing. He gets a little fiery. He's fun to bring to meetings. Um, You know, so he pointed out, so you're telling me you would rather protect a child's ankle than protect them from known carcinogens. You know, glyphosate is listed as a carcinogen in California on Prop 65. So um, again, it's just getting city staff, getting golf course superintendents alternatives, you know, because they're they're really kind of um, becoming aware also. So they, again, they don't want to be mixing these products. So it's just getting them all of the new technology. Just yesterday, we had an amazing call with the developer of an algae eating, solar powered swimming robot, which um, golf courses can use. They prevent, the whole purpose is to prevent these blooms. Like in Florida, we've had so much activation in Florida after the 2018 bloom that we have, the the red tide. And from captains of clean water, an amazing group, they've made the connection. Like, look, if we can't fix our waterways and how we're managing land and what the sugar sugar cane ag is doing to our oceans, then they were going to be out of jobs. So the the solution with the solar powered swimming robot, you know, it's it, it has a beautiful impact where you don't need any chemicals. Plus it also helps with vector issues. You won't ha- need to use larvicides for mosquitoes because it's constantly you know, having motion in the site. So we're up for any new technology okay. to goats, goats and cattle. We have a pilot right now um, using cattle for holistic plant grazing you know, to deplete the fuel loads here in California. Um, and goats are really popular. Everyone, they're adorable, <laughs> they're effective, <laughs> and um, city council members love to have photo ops with them. It's a win-win for everybody. But so what is the process like for people that um, might want to set up a new group in a new city? 
So we get contacted again. It's, it's everyone from, we had the sweetest retirement community. And so Laguna Woods is this retirement community and these women, Doris and Lois, so sweet. Um, I would bring the boys with me to the meetings with them. They would have more dogs and their pets and their little strollers <laughs> with them than there were more dogs than people. And they worked to get an organic policy online and they went door to door. One of them literally has a stroller. And then the coolest thing was, is that the Orange County Register named them, you know, they were two of the most influential people for that year for their work that they did. So it's amazing. It's just, we will help um, pet parents with information specific and research specific to how it negatively impacts pets to then providing you know, what you can do, you know, how to have a conversation. If you're going to the dog park, if you want to mobilize people and, and begin that conversation to then go to your city and ask for protection. Um, and it's just all of the tools. So we have talking points for city council meetings. We have organic and regenerative policy examples for cities that have already done it because the goal is to make sure that city staff don't have that much work to do because it's already been done. They don't need to reinvent the wheel. So we work to get them policy examples. We work to give them examples to you know, go out to bid for. Um, we had one city go out to bid for landscape contractors that just put organic. So then you're stuck. The contractors don't know how to answer a bid where they're at organic what? <laughs> like yeah. organically maintained parks, open space, medians. So, um, and we also train landscape contractors and city staff. And we also work to make sure that they're getting contractor pricing. We've seen it all. So we've seen that distributors that, you know, especially in the beginning, uh, most of them like Site One, Crop Life, Simplot, Wilbur Ellis, most of their product portfolio are the pesticides that we're working to move away from. So if they're working, for example, the city of Burbank, they would triple what it would cost to go to organic management. So city staff, they're doing their job. They've been tasked to provide a city staff report. Okay, council, this is what it will cost to go to organic management. And that's not the case. You know, We've proven that we have found very fiscally sound alternatives that you know, are effective that keep the application rates down, which keeps the labor costs down. So it's just getting anybody and everyone in this process, all of the tools they need from, you know, again, policy examples to if you've never had to go speak at a podium, you know, it's, it's new to a lot of people, but if you care about something, you know, it's, we want to make it very simple and to empower them and kiss the ground um, we have had great success working with our soil advocates because their, their training program really empowers people to have a voice and then how to use that voice for good. So we had a team in New York City where it was a pilot where we're, we combined our non-toxic neighborhood team with the Kiss the Ground team. And then we also have one in Austin and it's, it's been beautiful. I mean, they just complement each other so well. And we think anybody passionate about kind of cleaning up their environment, you know, we're just giving them the tools they need to succeed. 
Um, so what might be some of the challenges of holding and supporting local trainings and changes in the community? I think really the, the only hurdle is change, right? Getting past, I mean, people have been managing parks in, in this kind of chemically dependent manner for so long that it's usually change. I think once we get past that hurdle, it's, it's really positive for the community and for the parks department. And we make it fun. Like when we have kickoff events, we have the drones out because we want to really kind of capture the benefits. Um, people accuse us of Photoshopping. It's like, no, actually that's what happens when you kind of break this chemically dependent system from pre-emergence, post-emergence, synthetic fertilizers and uh, when you let the system work as a system, you know, so many magical things happen. Uh, Costa Mesa, for example, we got uh, Davis Field was one of our, our pilots and they usually give us the most used sites, you know, lit fields where they have used sports and schools utilizing these sites and that we like it. I mean, we <laughs> bring, us, bring us anything and everything, bring us your most, um, Tustin was great because we had a volleyball camp. Um, I love volleyball, I played in college. So, but they had a, a volleyball camp at Cedar Grove. And normally, you know, when it was synthetically maintained, it would take up to two months to recover. With this, the entire camp, you know, same amount of days, same amount of hours on the turf, a lot of diving in the turf. Um, there were no brown spots. There were no, like the turf was able to withstand this because the root systems are healthier and they're more established and deeper in the soil. So it's, it's just been positive for the athletes, for the, the city staff. And I think the biggest challenge is just change because it's, it is, it is different. You're, you will be um, really kind of focusing on building soil health. And, you know, when you get weed pressure, instead of looking to attack it and control it, you look at it as an indicator, you know, what is this weed telling me, you know, cause it, it basically it's the cliff notes for your soil conditions. And then you know how to, you know, attack it organically. So, um, so what are some of the ways that you and others are enjoying the rewards of your efforts? I think you've shared a little bit of, of it already. You see, <laughs> I'm not in my office right now. So if you see Michael and Trevor, Michael has his baseball uniform on in the background, that's, that's what this is all about, right? Like he will be playing baseball in Tustin. We live in Irvine, but uh, we worked with Tustin to become organically maintained too, because they wanted to play all-stars when they're little. And our advisors said, I went to our advisors actually and I said, okay, so now that the city of Irvine is organically maintained and when they practice and when they play, in Irvine, they're protected from these, these pesticides. And I said, would you let your children play? Because with All-Stars, they will be traveling. And they said, would you want them to play baseball or do you want us to tell you the answer? So, like, oh. so after Irvine, we worked with um, San Juan Capistrano, Costa Mesa, Tustin, San Clemente, kind of anywhere they would travel. So they finally could then play All-Stars. You know, it's, it's something where we kept them back from doing something they love for two years, but it ended up paying off and they're still playing. And, and now all of these city fields are organically maintained. I think the whole goal, and that's why Stonyfield reached out to us. The whole goal is just to make sure that every child is protected from pesticides where they live, learn and play. 
you know, yeah. it's, and working with school districts and, and also with COVID, I, it's really important for parents to find out what disinfectants schools are allowing, you know, cause it's yeah. this fear propaganda where the school district from a liability standpoint wants to protect the children. But if they're spraying quats in a classroom that don't break down, that are regulated as pesticides, that, I mean, we need parents to be on top of that. We need them to begin, you know, a dialogue with our maintenance operations department. And we have all of the tools and talking points and research to educate them too, you know, that this is why this is important. This is what our ask is. And then this is what the solutions are. Yeah. Yeah. If your ideas, your experience, and your wisdom were all wrapped up in new seeds of potential action for you to give to others, what advice would you give to someone that is considering this? Reach out to us. We have such amazing folks working in the space, you know, from moms to, you know, deans of pediatrics. I mean, if you look at Phil Landrigan's, like, every time he sends an email, like, I was like, I, don't even like adding my signature. <laughs> He's there's nothing our advisors haven't done or advised, you know, people on. So they they're just so helpful and we have every tool to support this process. And unlike, you know, with all of these climate action plans going around right now, we're working hard to make sure that land management is a part of that. But what's again hopeful is we can't necessarily have a massive impact on greenhouse gases in the way that we can beyond what we personally do as a family. But this is something where one person, we had this one woman up in Naperville, Illinois, that did this all by herself. And it was the first time that we worked with anybody outside of California. So it was testing kind of our materials. And all we did was join a couple phone calls with her and she was able to do it as one mom, you know, for Naperville. So it's impressive. Yeah, quite impressive. So um, if someone's kind of thinking about it, do you have any like books or resources that you um, suggest before maybe they kind of jump in? Yes, so we, we have an organic playbook. Um, my family is very sports oriented. <laughs> my husband played hockey, I played volleyball, but so, I wanted it very simple so anybody could look at, okay, if I'm hitting it from the school district angle, these are the steps that I follow. If I'm hitting it from, um, I live next to a golf course, I wanna start that conversation, that we have all of those different approaches and support and tools that just kind of begin with the playbook. It's kind of like the the playbook is like the the cliff notes of how to begin this process and then from there, um, someone from the team will jump on a call. And the first step is always to pull a pesticide use report, which is very simple. You Google your city and you Google um, public records requests and it will, because every city website is different and it's usually buried, but you just submit a records request for all of the pesticides, for example, used in 2020. So that way, we know what solutions and alternatives we can share. So we wanna know how they're maintaining their rodent issue to weeds because we have you know, all of these proven and fiscally sound alternatives that we, um, we're a nonprofit so, and we don't even allow, they've offered to make donations and set up these sponsorships. But I think 
it's important that there's no gray area. So what we do ask is for them to make product donations because obviously we're creating, we're helping their business. So in return, we ask them to make donations to school districts and other places. So these, you know, applicators can see proof of concept and get started. Nice. So do you have any um, publications that you suggest for people to educate them uh, about some of the research and dangers of the um, pesticides and herbicides themselves? Yes. So we have lots of research that you need to pour a big glass of organic wine to begin to <laughs> dive into. Uh, but I think Carrie Gillum is, has been a, a great um, supporter of ours and her Monsanto papers kind of really share how the pesticide industry is following in the same path that the tobacco industry followed. And they're even using the playbook of the tobacco industry, very different than our playbook. And it just educates everyone on just because something's available at Target or Home Depot and you can purchase it from the shelf does not mean that that is something you need to use around your family. You know, I, I think we're learning how toxic these products are. When you look at the EU, right, and their standards, and you look at ours, ours, you know, it's, it's like we're basically the guinea pigs. You know, these products are allowed to go to market, then a certain amount of people get sick, and then it's pulled, they reformulate it, and it's like pesticide whack-a-mole, it comes back to market in a very similar fashion. With glyphosate, there are cities like Sarasota who we work with them to ban glyphosate. But again, that is not a win. It's a step in the right direction, but the ban needs to be on all synthetic herbicides mm -hmm. to have a positive impact because they will play pesticide whack-a-mole. And unfortunately with Sarasota, we're still working with them. They went straight from glyphosate to glyphosonate. <laughs> Cheetah Pro is what the, the um, brand name is. And Cheetah Pro has been banned in France. It's linked to seizures. So that's what we really need to avoid. And that just happens, you know, with education. You know, it's working closely with staff and also the distributors. So where does someone find that article that you just... U.S. Right to Know is the organization and they cover a lot of environmental issues. So it'd be great. Um, I think it would complement you guys really well. And she attended the, the uh, trial against Dwayne Johnson, the um, school district applicator that sued and won his settlement. Mm -hmm. And she's, she's just really good at taking the facts and sharing the information on it. So it's actually their books. So what is the website um, that people visit to find your organization? It's www.nontoxicneighborhoods.com. And we will, you know, you just have to contact one of us and we will make sure to, um, if there hasn't been a chapter established wherever you live, we will get one set up. We're in New Zealand, Australia, and our New Zealand team has been doing amazing work. And we're actually working to get products that we utilize in the US registered for use in New Zealand. So it's just 
it's great to just all be working together. Um, some calls are really early or really late time zones, but you know, it's been great to work together. And again, our advisors from Zach Bush, who is just has all these super fans and he's such a powerful speaker uh, to our, you know, the land. I mean, they're just, they're these beautiful minds that became doctors to, you know, protect children from environmental harm. And then they found the power of the lobbying force at the state level and the federal level. So this grassroots approach that we take has been really successful and, you know, we'll tackle it from the bottom up, top down until we're successful in, in the 200 plus areas where we've been able to adopt organic regenerative policies or these pesticide bans, no one has ever gone back because it's, you know, we kind of work as a team and just like what you've set up is brilliant. It's that platform needs to be there to have that conversation and to be able to communicate new technology and, you know, successes and wins, because it's really about empowering everybody to take this action because it's so simple once you take the first step. I just want to really thank you for taking the time to share that with us and just the amazing work that you're doing. And um, I would say that um, those advisors and people that have been academically studying these things for some time, to have someone that's willing to take it into the field and actually do it is really, um, that's what's needed. And I really commend you for all the work that you're doing. Bruce Lamphere, he's our OG, original gangster advisor. Um, we were working on different mission statements. He's so funny. He's like, you need, you should have a PR. You should let people know about the work. I'm like, no, like we do the work and people eventually find out what we're doing. But our mission statement is, is that we want to be out of business in 10 years. We don't want to have to exist anymore. Like that is our goal. Our goal is to make sure that regardless of zip code, income, where you live, that when your kids and pets go to a park, that they're protected. Thanks for joining us for Local Share Green Action. Until next time, let's all use our unique talents and abilities and take meaningful green local action that benefits the planet and people.